Join the conversation with Tommy Weber. Pro and college baseball coach Tommy Weber brings you cutting-edge interviews and thought-provoking commentary in a weekly podcast dedicated to baseball, sports, current events, and the world. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and TommyWeberBaseball.com. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TommyWeberBaseball. It's time to get the conversation started, so here's your host, Tommy Weber. From the Gotham Podcast Studio in the heart of downtown New York City, my hometown, Tribeca, the greatest city in the world. This is The Conversation. I am Tommy Weber. Welcome aboard. It is a rainy uh, Thursday evening here in beautiful New York City. Um, Baseball heating up right now. A couple of guys I know will be going to spring training real soon. Um, Working with some of my uh, players who are going to make the trip down quickly. Uh, Wishing them the best. Just a couple things before we get going. We have a great show and a great guest. Um, over the weekend, of course, um, the NFL took a beating, uh, vis-a-vis officiating. Um, and I'm only going to say one thing about this. Uh, and I, I just, I had my class today at St. John's and I said to them, you know, forget about whys and wherefores and who should be in the Super Bowl and who shouldn't and who gets the benefit of any of these calls. The NFL is a billion, billion, billions of dollars industry. It is to me absurd. That the NFL doesn't have fit, young, athletic, full-time officials that they pay to be full-time officials who work on their officiating, who they can put into simulated games and go to different practices or whatever it might be. This is a billion-dollar industry, and you have guys who basically are in an office four or five days a week and then on Friday night get on a plane, go to a city, and officiate a game on a Sunday. That simply doesn't work, and it makes absolutely no sense. Next, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, Recently, I did a Sundays with Tommy where I talked about the Hall of Fame and what I believe, and um, I still believe that today. I'm a Yankee guy, Mariano Rivera, the greatest one-inning pitcher in the history of the games, no question about it. He's a no-doubt first-ballot Hall of Famer. But I say this. Part of the charm of the Hall of Fame is about its, its nod to history. It's nod to the game's romance and allure. And as far as that goes, the single greatest player the game has ever known, by a wide margin, by an immeasurably wide margin, is Babe Ruth. By any means you have to measure anything, Babe Ruth is the greatest player ever. Not only is he the greatest player ever, he's one of the greatest pitchers ever. And he's the savior of the game. He saved the game. Literally. In the advent of the Black Sox scandal and a lot of other things that were going on at the time, Babe Ruth single-handedly saved the game. If he does not get 100% of the vote. The romantic nod to the game's most important player should have been that no one ever gets 100% of the vote. And the other thing 100% of the vote does is it sets a precedent. There will be others. And as a teacher, you know what a curve does? It doesn't do anything to the top, but it brings up the bottom. So what's going to start to happen now is you're going to see the expansion of the dialogue as to who should be eligible, who should be considered. And now guys are strategizing their vote by voting for a guy so he remains on the ballot longer. You're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. And at the end of the day, I personally believe that there should be deserving players kept out so that no undeserving player ever gets in. That's my take on it. I'm done. All right, my guest. Love this kid. Mark Darden, he's an author, Ohio State Buckeye, 2012 graduate. He... um embarked on a journey 
in 2017, which resulted in a book. The book is called Quest for 30. Um, I'm sorry. It's time. I'm sorry. The book is called It's Game Time, Folks, A Quest for 30. He went to all 30 Major League Baseball parks in one season. He began in April, just like the season does, and he finished in October. My guest, Mark Darden. Welcome aboard, pal. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, it's my pleasure, really. As you know, uh, when we had our discussion, I was floored by this accomplishment. I really was. I mean, this is a very impressive thing to do. First of all, it takes an awful lot of thought. It takes a great deal of passion for the game. Um, and even with that, it's difficult to do. Mm-hmm. So let's take me back. Let's go backwards first. You must love baseball. Yeah, uh, growing up in the 90s in Cleveland, Ohio, as a Cleveland Indians fan, fell in love with the game and... I will, I will admit I fell out of it in the mid-2000s or so because the Indians were bad, but seeing them come back and be a dominant player in the AL pretty much brought my love back for the game. Well, that takes takes me to my, my opening. Should Albert Bell be in the Hall of Fame? Albert Bell? Yeah, probably not. Okay, fine. As an Indians, an Indians guy, not going for Albert Bell. There you go. Um, so when did you say to yourself, this is something that I want to do and why? Uh, it all started back in late 2016. I was up late just watching some YouTube videos, and I came across one where there were these two friends. They were both turning 30, and they decided, hey, let's go see all 30 Major League Baseball parks in 30 days. And I thought that was just a pretty cool thing to do. And I thought maybe I could pull something off like that myself. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do all 30 teams in 30 days, but I thought it was pretty doable to do all 30 teams throughout the course of the season. So uh, right now I live in Columbus, Ohio, and it's right in the middle of a lot of the major league baseball teams. So Cleveland is two hours away, Pittsburgh's three hours away, uh, so on and so forth. So I figured that it would be a doable thing to do over the course of a season. Mark Darden, uh, it's game time, folks. Quest for 30, 30 ballparks uh, throughout one major league season. Where do we find the book? Very important. Um, head over to my website, BuckeyeMuscle.com slash shop. Uh, you just click on the link and you'll see the picture in the shop and you can just order your copy. Great. Okay. So I'm trying to divine what it is people would want to know. All right. And my first thing that came to my mind is food. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause now, you know, you and I, there's a little disparity in our age, although you couldn't tell it by looking at us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when I was a kid, there were very limited choices at a ballpark, right? As a matter of fact, you used to be able to bring food to the ballpark, sandwiches mm-hmm. or whatever, because all you can get was a hot dog, some popcorn, beer, soda. That was basically it. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. it's a completely different experience. It's really a hospitality experience. It's unbelievable, the variety and the and the, and the stuff that you're, is available to you at a ballpark. So my question is, um, first, let's go, what food did you say to yourself, my God, this is awful. How do they even serve this here? Uh, one food I thought that was was kind of a crazy thing to have on a baseball menu was in Arizona at the Diamondback Stadium. It was a chicken sandwich and it wasn't on a regular bun. It was a chicken sandwich with strawberry jam, I think some like pepperback <laughs> cheese, and it was in between two funnel cakes oh. with powdered sugar. Oh. I saw that on the menu and I was just like, okay, that's a crazy thing, but I ended up getting it and, and it was actually pretty good. Oh my God. Oh my God. That sounds like you would need, like, serious... Yeah, that sounds like a heart attack, but you only got one leg to live, so might as well <laughs> Good go for you. all in. Good for you. So now, on the other end of the spectrum, give us some examples. You don't have to limit it to one. 
when you think about your trip and that journey throughout the season, mm-hmm. which begins in April and ends in October, uh, what food experiences did you really, really resonate with you? Um, first game I went to was the Washington Nationals at Nationals Park, and they have a crab cake. Uh, it's called the Chesapeake Crab Cake Company, and it was a crab cake sandwich with some kettle chips. I thought that was pretty good. And then when I was in St. Louis, they had a ultimate stadium nacho tater tots. <laughs> so it was tater tots with like pico de gallo, some sour cream, <laughs> uh, some minced garlic. It was just the works. You weren't on like a cholesterol watch at all during this this Mm-mm. season, it seems like. Okay? <laughs> all right, all right. I just pretty much ate whatever I wanted. <laughs> well, you're in good shape. So obviously it didn't have a terrible impact on you. Yeah, um, when, when I was here in New York at the... Um, Mets game, I ended up getting a Reuben for one of the stands oh, there. That was good. That's no no joke. Those did you have good. did you have the Lobel's roast beef at Yankee Stadium? Mm-mm, I didn't get a chance to get that. Yeah, that's I think at dope. Yankee Stadium I just had the usual hot dog and okay. I think some ice cream. All right. All right. Great. Cool. Really cool. Um so you you say you saw the Baltimore Orioles play six times during your journey. Mm-hmm. How did why? I mean, it's it just how it worked out. Really? Like, I didn't intentionally try to see them six times. It's just every time I went to a new stadium, they just so happened to be there. So, remember, I saw them when they played at home against the Yankees. The When I went to see the Tigers play, the Rays, the Rangers, Toronto Blue Jays, okay. and I forgot the last one. Yeah, but I ended up seeing them six times. So, of all the teams that you could have experienced, you, had to, you wind up experiencing six times a terrible team because Baltimore is pretty bad. Yeah, at the time, it... Well, with the Rays game that I went to, they actually were hitting pretty good. Uh-huh. They just weren't getting the right type of hits. Right. Because that game, I think both teams had at least 10 hits, but the the Rays blew the doors off of them and won like 15 to 5 or something okay. like that. Okay, cool, cool. You went to San Diego twice. Mm-hmm. Explain that. The first time I went to San Diego, it was to see a game against the Dodgers. And it was an overcast day in San Diego, so I got to the city around 11 or so, walked over to the stadium. They were still setting up the security gates and whatnot. I ended up walking across to a marina to just check out the view and then purchase a ticket from StubHub. And when I was walking back to the marina or back to the stadium, I saw some of the workers at the stadium walk the opposite direction. I was just like, okay, that's kind of odd. The game's about to start in about an hour or so. And I overheard them talking to say, like, the game is going to be canceled because of rain. And I was just like, wait a minute, this is San Diego, California. It doesn't <laughs> rain here. <laughs> Went over to the one of the gates. I asked an officer, um, is the game canceled for today? And he was like, yes, it's canceled because of weather. And I was just like, OK, it's not even raining out here. It's a pretty overcast day. When the game was supposed to start, it downpoured for three hours straight. I was at a bar when it happened watching the NBA playoffs. And I was just like, maybe they knew something that I didn't know and they made a good call because that game wouldn't have happened if it started on time. So in a place where it never rains ever, mm-hmm. right, in San Diego, where it's perfect, they called the game in anticipation of rain mm-hmm. an hour beforehand, mm-hmm. which will ne- that you never see that. I mean, they want you at the ballpark. All, you know, they, they want you to stay. They'll keep you there for three hours mm-hmm. in most places. And they rain that game out before even a drop of rain hit. Mm-hmm. Wow. I guess they figured they could get away with it because when I went to San Diego, it was in May, like May 7th. So they figured, that, hey, we could probably make this game up later in the season. It's funny you mentioned... Rain delays, because when I was here in New York, 
I went to the Yankees game against the Tigers, and there were about four and a half hours of rain delays right. during the, that game. The Yankees love rain delays because you're in the ballpark buying stuff. Yeah, like the game before the game even started, there was a rain delay. So that lasted for an hour and a half. Then the game went for eight innings. And right at the start of the eight inning, there was another rain delay for three hours because mm-hmm. they just downpoured for like an hour and a half. And I went over to one of the uh, bars that were at the in the outfield, talked to the, one of the supervisors. We both looked at the field and we were just like, there's no way they can play on this because it looked like a lake. Right. Right. And then you saw the grounds crew come out on the field. They took the little tube that has the tarp and it just started rolling the water off of the field. And by like eight ten, the game was back on. Wow. wow. So big kudos to the Yankees grounds crew for getting the field ready. Yeah, they're real pros. And those fields, the technology now with drainage is unbelievable. These fields, they never get a rain out. Mm-hmm. Unless it's pouring at game time, they play the games usually, usually. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how did you finance this? Um, I just saved up some money. Um, luckily for me, I didn't have student loan debt. So that was one thing I didn't have to worry about. So I just saved up some money and also ended up getting a credit card from American Airlines because <laughs> it had all of the free, um, like the free travel points or uh-huh, whatever uh-huh. to help with some of the flights. I, I, I got to tell you, I'm just so impressed. I can't, I, you're really, you're really a bright guy. I got to tell you, you had everything covered. And, and this is kind of a bucket list thing, I would imagine, right? This is mm-hmm. something you just passionately wanted to do and be able to check off. Yeah. I just also saw it as a challenge. I just thought like best way to live life is just to challenge yourself. Wow. Really cool. That's great. I love it. I love it. Um, What's your favorite ballpark? My favorite one is AT&T Park in San Francisco. Why? Uh, with, with the Bay um, they also have a display with all of their World Series trophies from 2010, 2012, 2014. And usually stuff like that is in like a museum or like a Hall of Fame. But theirs are right in the middle of a concourse. So if you're walking to get some uh, garlic fries or some beer, you got a display there that has all of their trophies and some of their championship rings, which I thought was pretty cool. Wow, that is cool. Very accessible. Mm-hmm. Very accessible. What What ballpark is the toughest to move around? Toughest to move around. Like if you're in the ballpark, what ballpark? Because I, I, in my own head, have an experience at a certain ballpark. Um, and, and I just want to see if perhaps uh, we're in concert here. What ballpark, once you're in the ballpark, is the least convenient to negotiate around? I would probably say Oakland Stadium. Really? Oakland Coliseum. For the most part, when I was at um, all of the ballparks, once I was in my seat, I was pretty much in my seat. Only time I got it was to get something to eat, but... I would say Oakland's was pretty, I wouldn't say super challenging, but it's just the way it's designed. It was kind of, uh-huh. like you can tell it was a stadium from back in uh, 1960s or whenever. Right, they've been in that ballpark, I'm sure, it's got to be 50 years mm-hmm. in that ballpark. Because they were in that ballpark in the early 70s, I know that. I don't know mm-hmm. how much earlier than that they go, but I know it was the early 70s. So it's in at least 40 years, but I bet you it's 50. Um, What were your impressions of Fenway Park? Oh, it was pretty cool. I didn't realize how small it was. Huh. Like when I walked in there, I I was just like, oh, I thought this park was pretty big, but apparently it's one of the smallest in all of Major League Baseball. And it was cool seeing the Green Monster, but I recall when I was younger watching baseball in the 90s, it didn't have as many advertisements on right. the wall. So I thought that was kind of discouraging, but I get it. Baseball is a business. You're right. trying to draw sure. money. Every sure. team's trying to do that. Especially in a small ballpark that doesn't mm-hmm. have a lot of capacity for fans. They've mm-hmm. got to do everything they can. Yeah, I also liked it that they had some of the old seats from back when the ballpark was built. Where I was sitting at was underneath one of the grandstand, or I want to say underneath one of the grandstands and one of those old seats from 1912. So, Oh, really? That, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Interesting, interesting. 
what do you do with these older ball? Like a ballpark like Fenway. At mm-hmm. some point, you know, it's over 100 years old. Mm-hmm. At some point, you've got to do something with Fenway Park. It can't, it's not going to stand forever, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be rendered obsolete at some point in time. W- what do you do? Mm. Fortunately, you just have to build another ballpark or build something similar to that, to like that old style ballpark where people will still come to the game. Right. Like they did at Camden Yards, mm-hmm. which was really the first ball. Talk, talk to you about Camden Yards. Where does that rank for you uh, on your list? That was in my top, I want to say it was eight or nine on my list. Yeah, I pretty much liked it because it was similar to uh, Progressive Field. I'm a huge Indians fan, so I'm a little biased. I had uh, Progressive Field number five, but um, Camden Yards was pretty cool. I liked their architecture style. It was very passionate fans there at the stadium, but unfortunately, it was just a cold night. Mm-hmm. I think it was the coldest game I went to. It was um, 45 degrees, and where I was sitting at was in left field underneath another section. So it's kind of like a wind tunnel effect, and it made it seem colder than it actually was. Right, so your impression of the park is going to be somehow, um, let's say, influenced by what you see and mm-hmm. your experience there. If you have a terrible night, it's hard to really fall in love with the ballpark if it's a freezing cold night or mm-hmm. it's a bad game or they ha- you know, any, anything like that happens. Yeah, for the most part, I have a ranking of all the ballparks in the book, and I try to be as objective as possible. So I based it on um, like where it's located, how is it like how easy it to get to the park, just architecture, that type of stuff. I try not to let my experience at the game influence it Good too much. You. Great, great. You're listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. We'll be right back. This episode of The Conversation with Tommy Weber is brought to you by 4momalz.com. Join the fight against Alzheimer's and support our good friends, Hunter and Braden Bishop, as they bring awareness to a struggle that many families face through their charity, 4mom. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at hashtag 4mom. And for all your mortgage needs, call Northern Security Capital Corp., the New York area's most dedicated mortgage broker. If you're buying or refinancing a home, there's only one place to go. Call Northern Security Capital Corp. today at 718-273-1010. And now, back to the show. It's game time, folks. Quest for 30. Mark Darden. We got to go to BuckeyeMuscle.com. Click on the... You just click on the the picture that's in the shop and you can order yourself a copy. Great book. Great book. A lot of great information. Really a, an amazing trek to to be a part of. Um, so give me an example. Go from the bottom up. Who? What other ballpark did you not love and why? I wasn't too fond of uh, Miller Park in Milwaukee. Now, I think the ballpark itself is cool. It was just where it was located because I remember taking the bus over to get to the ballpark and we went through a residential neighborhood and I was just like, okay, this is kind of odd. Like while we're going through here, went under, I think a train bridge and then you just see the ballpark in the distance. It's just a huge parking lot. And the ballpark itself is cool, but it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So if you want to go to a bar or get some drinks afterwards, you really can't do that. Oh really? So it's isolated. Yeah. To me, it's like right by two freeways, but there's nothing else around it. Okay. I kind of like ballparks where there's like bars and like other stuff around it. So there's it. like a hub. Yeah. Right. And what ballpark best uh, was, was the best example of that where it was kind of a hip environment to be around outside of the ballpark? Actually, I would say Fenway Park, just going outside. Because it's in a city. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that one. 
And I will also say Cleveland is pretty cool, too. There's bars around Progressive Field as well. What were your impressions of Wrigley Field? Where does that where did that land on your list? I think that one I had somewhere in the middle, I want to say like 16th or so. So I think want to say I had Wrigley 16th and Fenway 17th. And Wrigley, it was pretty cool just to go to that stadium. And again, I got a chance to sit in the old seats from back uh-huh. when the ballpark was built. And people were a lot different back then because the seats were very narrow. They were tiny. Mm-hmm. They really were. Yeah, that I, I, game was fun to go to because it was a Sunday night baseball on ESPN and they were playing the Cardinals. And originally I got the ticket on StubHub and I ended up sitting next to the guy that was that put the ticket on StubHub. He ended up giving me the actual like actual game ticket. Oh, really? So it was pretty cool. Like it had World Series champions and like gold lettering. And it was just pretty cool to have that. So... Why were the Phillies and the Rays games two of your favorite games to attend? For me, the Phillies game was fun because I got a chance to go with one of my college friends who lived in Philly at the time. And the game, it was the Phillies versus the Nationals. And in the first inning, the Nationals, they just got rocked by Philly. It was 12 runs in the first inning. And there were these two guys that were sitting in front of me and my friend, and they overheard us talking and I had mentioned to my friend that I was a neutral fan. Like, my team's the Indians. I don't hate the Phillies right, or right. I don't hate the Nationals. The two guys turned around and one of them was just like, okay, you better start cheering for the Phillies or we're just going to throw you out of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and then and this was in the first inning. So I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. And it was also T-shirt night. So they gave out T-shirts at the ball game. And I told him that I'll become a Phillies fan if the Phillies can score five runs in the first inning. They ended up doing that. So I, I ended that. up putting the T-shirt on, and then I became the biggest Phillies fan since Corey Matthews from Boy Meets World. <laughs> Good for you. That's a great story. I love it. I love it. Um, tell us about your Adrian Beltre experience. That was an interesting game. It was, um, I think it was game 20 out of all 30, and the Rangers were playing the Orioles at... Uh, Globe Life, Globe Life Park, and it was super hot that day. I think it was it got up to like ninety one degrees. And when Adrian Beltre first got up to the plate for his first at bat, everybody stood up and they had the camera phones up recording the hit. And I was just like, okay, what's going on? And the guy sitting next to me, he said that he's uh, only one hit away from three thousand. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Get to see some history. I think he struck out or grounded out at his first at bat. And then in the fourth inning, I had left to get some ice cream because it was super hot that day. (laughs) And while I was in line, uh, Adrian Beltre got up for his uh, second at-bat. And I just saw a herd of people just rush out of the concourse to go back to the seat to record the hit. And I ended up staying in line. And luckily, there was a TV right by the ice cream stand that we were at. And he ended up getting the hit. And it was just like, oh, they stopped the game for 10 minutes. And hey, I was here for Major League Baseball history. That's great. That's I think great. he's uh, the 31st player to get 3,000 hits. Yeah. And a, out of thousands and thousands of players that played the game. It's quite an accomplishment. A great, great player. Yeah. So great for that player. game, to see history and the ice cream line is just something I'll never forget. Where did your journey start and where did it end? Um, It started in... Washington, D.C. for the Nationals game on April 6, 2017, and the journey ended October 1st in Kansas City. 
Last day of the season. Last game of the season. It was. Uh, Did you have to squeeze that in? I mean, was that was there any pressure to get that game in? Yeah, it was because I originally planned to have the journey done like mid-September, and it came all the way down to the wire to get Kansas City because for me that was arguably the hardest team to get. Really, even though I'm, like I said, I live in Columbus. It's not that far, but it was just really expensive to fly there and really expensive to drive there. Cause it's like right in the middle of the country. Okay. So I ended up, I ended up making it work by catching a bus. But yeah, it was one of those games where, or one of those cities that was hard to get. Did you ever? Did you ever think of how many calories you consumed in these thirty ballparks? Mm-hmm. Anytime I was in a ballpark, I just got when I was hungry. I just went to get such stand, just got something to eat. <laughs> Maybe for a future book of like future sports travel, see like how much, like how many calories I consume eating all this stuff or like how much money I spend (laughs) on food. Cause that's the one thing I regret not doing with this book is, uh, keeping track of my food, Uh like how much that costs. Right. That's, I think for future books, I may keep track of that as well. Okay. So we're in New York City, right? So Mm -hmm. we got to get to the real question that every New Yorker wants to ask you, which is City Field or Yankee Stadium? Oh, uh, I actually prefer City Field because I like the architecture on the outside. Reminds right. yeah. me of uh, Ebbets Field. Yeah, that's what it was. Also, yeah. remind. Also, it was cool to see the forty-two statue yeah. honoring Jackie, Jackie Robinson. Robinson in the in the rotunda. Right? Yeah, in the rotunda area. Um, it was pretty cool seeing the Big Apple out in the outfield. Um, Yankee Stadium was cool too, but I feel like that place is sterile and very corporate. So, like, I just walked around the stadium. There was like shop after shop after shop and I walked into one of them and they had some hats that were like World Series edition hats and I looked at the price for them and they were $75 and I was just like for that <laughs> price you, I could go to any other ballpark and probably get two hats right right and I just remember when they had the rain delays they put the tarp on the field even the tarp had an advertisement on it and I was just like come on like we get it yeah selling everything yeah, yeah. selling everything what ball, what ballpark was the least commercial? Least commercial? I'd probably say actually Oakland Coliseum. I didn't see too many advertisements there, but I guess that's because it's an older park. It's not really too many places to put an advertisement. Right, right. And maybe they don't generate as much revenue. There's not as much demand mm-hmm. to, to do advertising. Yeah, so like with Yankee Stadium, with all the advertisement, I get it because Art will be the, one of the most valuable sports franchises in the world. So right. I get it. But sometimes it's just... You don't have to have so many advertisements like every square inch. Right. So you think there's a point at which it just becomes something that's kind of uh, gross, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a little offensive after a while. I agree. I mean, you know, it, it, you, know you, can, you can't sell everything. Yeah. Like, but, I, I get it. Like, in certain areas, like, like, like your outfield wall, you may have an advertisement right, right. or like a, like a lighting signage above the scoreboard. That I get, but... When you see it on a rain tarp, yeah. it's like, come yeah. on. Yep. Um, what's next for you? Um, for me, my big plans for this year is to sell and promote my book as well as do some more travel. So one thing I plan on doing is going to London for the London games, the Yankees and the Red Sox. I also plan on going to the All-Star game in Cleveland. And and do you plan on doing anything any other like do you love other sports? Yeah, I'm a huge sports fan. So one thing I plan on doing this year is going to uh WNBA games. Okay. Like I'll admit I'm not the biggest WNBA fan, but I like sports, so I'll at least give it a college try. Right. At least check it out sure. and see how, if I like it or not. You're open-minded about it. Yeah, for me, well actually there was a team 
when the first when the league first started, the Cleveland Rockers, and I remember going to a game back then. But um, yeah, for me, it's just it's not something I would go out of my way to watch. But I think this year I changed my perspective on it and see and see how the women play. What'd you major in at OSU? Um, I majored in consumer sciences, so it was a human ecology degree. So it was kind of like a marketing degree. Uh huh. Uh huh. I got to tell you something, man. I, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people in the show and a lot of players and people in the sports world. And this really fascinates me in, in my conversation I had with you. I was really, I, I was really curious uh, to meet with you and to do this because you have such a great spirit. Where does that come from? You really do. I mean, you, you, you have a very compelling way about you and you're young. And I mean, this is a, a an ingenious uh, venture that you, that you embarked on and completed. Where does that great spirit come from? Uh, I just have a, I just want to enjoy life while I'm here, pretty much. Uh, I'm a huge fan of travel. I'm a huge fan of sports. So for me, it was just killing two birds with one stone. While it was cool that I was able to go to all the ballparks, it was also cool to be able to see different parts of the country. So when I was in uh, San Francisco, I got a chance to walk across the Golden Gate Bridge. And I've seen like plenty of documentary documentaries on it, but it was actually cool to be able to like see it in person walk across it, even though it took like 25 minutes to do there and back. Um, like when I was in St. Louis, I got a chance to go to the Gateway Arch, again, seeing documentaries on it, but it's cool to actually see it in person. And for the arch, I went on the 4th of July. So when I went up to the top, it was about 8 o'clock at night or so. And it was cool seeing all the fireworks displays from that perspective. So it was one of those uh, memories that I won't forget. It's really cool how you kind of um, wrapped this whole thing. It, it also became like a cultural journey for you. It wasn't just, although mm-hmm. obviously the book is about the ballparks, it wasn't just about the ballparks. I mean, you took in everything you possibly could mm-hmm. in every city, uh, and you weren't going to leave any stone unturned, which is really cool. Yeah, I tried to do as much as I could. Like when I was here in New York for the Yankees and the Mets game, I actually went to the Today Show just to have the experience to be in the audience. So that was pretty cool. And then... (laughs) It's great. Yeah, I I remember that was probably the longest day of the entire quest because the night before I just came from Houston and I didn't go to sleep until like one in the morning. Then I had to wake up at five to get down to the taping. And I was there at Rockefeller Center to like 10.30 or so. Then I went over to the stadium or the Yankee Stadium and... I was there for about nine hours. That's because so, the, the rain delay. And yeah, the that was probably the probably the longest day of the entire quest. Did you do any of this accompanied by anyone? Nope. All I, by yourself? Yeah, I was by myself the entire time. Wow. Wow. Which is which to some people could be a bad thing. Like they, they may feel like, oh, I need to go with someone. But when it comes to travel, I'm just more of someone that's, hey, I'd rather go somewhere by myself and have an experience than sit down a few few years later and be like, man, I should have did that. Right. Or good for you. I could have I could have did this a few years ago, but nobody wanted right. to go with me. That's really cool. Are you are you I, I I hear a spiritual component to all of this for some reason. I can't not ask you that question. Are you a particularly spiritual person? Uh not really. I just try to enjoy life. Well that's spiritual in and of itself. It really is. Yeah. I mean you know it's 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 an inspiring story and you've got a great way about you. I want to play a game that we play with all our guests. Um I'm gonna say something I'm gonna mention and you give me your first response. Okay. okay. All right. First favorite food? Pizza. Good choice. Good choice. You're in the right city for pizza man. 
Um, what's the last show you binge watched? Binge watched probably Law and Order SVU. Okay. Um, did you do a lot of binge watching on the road? Mm-mm. For on the road, I was more concerned with just getting as much sleep as I could get. Really? going from city to city. Okay, so... Yeah, for me, I'm not the biggest TV watcher. I usually watch a lot of YouTube videos mm -hmm. of, like, old uh, wrestling clips or uh, music videos. But when it comes to TV shows, I'm not not that much into TV. What kind of music do you like? Uh, Hip-hop, rap, some rock. Okay. Classic rock? Yeah, some classic rock. Rolling Stones? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool, cool. Um, what's a late-night snack that you'll indulge in? Hmm. Really like uh, chocolate eclair bars, like uh, those ice cream bars. <laughs> so I'll probably eat one of those. And then maybe just like a peanut butter and uh, like Nutella sandwich. All right. My kind of, that's my kind of snack. I like that. And a banana, put a banana on that. It's really mm -hmm. good. Um, so if you had three dinner guests, you were never related, you're not related, no longer living, who would they be? Hmm. That's a good one. I'll probably bring Kenny Lofton. He's alive. Oh, they need, they need to be dead? Yep. Okay. Probably Andre the Giant. I loved he, Andre the Giant. Because he's a pretty interesting character. So I saw Andre the Giant in a steel kit. Ready for this? In a Texas death match at Madison Square Garden, 20,000 people. Mm -hmm. I never, I was never been to a sporting event where people were this maniacal as it, they were on this night. Andre the Giant, Black Jack Mulligan. He had mm -hmm. that glove that put you to sleep. The giant, he put the giant to sleep. Somehow the giant woke up miraculously, as they do in, mm -hmm. <laughs> in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling this story. <laughs> Andre gets up, takes the glove off Black Jack Mulligan, puts it on his own hand, puts the glove on, on Black Jack Mulligan's face, and pins him. The, the place went absolutely, it was bedlam. I couldn't mm -hmm. believe what I was a part of. I went with a friend of mine who dragged me there. It was amazing to watch these people. And Andre the Giant was this massive human. I mean, he was so big. He he looked like he took up half the ring. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you got yeah, Andre. For me, I'm a huge wrestling fan. So yeah, I, love yeah, I, love, I love going to the events anytime during time. I think it's great because wrestling doesn't apologize to, any, for any, to anybody. And mm -hmm. it's strictly showbiz. And that's great. And people get entertained by it. And that's okay. And that's mm -hmm. what all sports really is, is entertainment. Yep. Um, so Andre the Giant, who else? I'll probably say Roberto Clemente. Because he's a great baseball player, but he's even a greater humanitarian. Mm -hmm. So I would love to, like, if we had dinner, it'd be cool to get his perspective on things. And a third person, hmm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head who I would get. Probably Martin Luther King. Yeah, he's, he's an a, easy one. Almost everybody picks Dr. King. Almost yeah, everybody. great humanitarian. Right. We all, everybody knows about him. Right. That's an easy one. Um, the book is It's Game Time, folks. Quest for 30, 30 ballparks, one season, 2007, uh, 17. Begins early April, ends on the final day of the season, like a great playoff game, right? Mm -hmm. um, Mark Darden, I got to tell you something. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. Once I spoke to you the first time, I knew this this kid's got, and I call you a kid because you're a kid. Um, <laughs> uh, this kid's got something on the ball, and I really think people would, would love to hear from him. And um, I think that wherever you go and whoever you talk to about this book is going to want to buy the book because it is a fascinating read. And you, my friend, are a really fascinating character. And I can't thank you enough for stopping by the conversation and um, wishing you well on your, your journey to sell millions of copies of this book. 
Yeah, thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, you're the man. I really, uh, I really can't thank you enough. That's going to be a wrap. Um, as uh, who's going to take us out, Matt? I think we're going to go with Billy Joel. How about that? We're going to hear the piano man take us out, and the song should resonate with all of you. The book. It's game time, folks. Mark Darden, Quest for 30, 30 Ballparks, one season, 2017. His season in this book. You should get it, read it. Um, Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. And this conversation is over, and we will see you soon. listening to the conversation with tommy weber have any thoughts on today's episode ideas for a new one join the conversation on twitter at tommy weber b-ball or instagram at tommy weber baseball and share your thoughts tommy's back next week with a new episode of the conversation subscribe and listen for free at apple Podcasts, spotify iHeartRadio, google play Castbox, TuneIn radio radio public and stitcher and of course always at tommyweberbaseball.com Um...